Hi, welcome to True Creeps, where the stories are true and the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore to the possibly plausible paranormal, to horrifying history, to tense and terrible true crime, and everything else that goes bump in the night. We're your hosts, Amanda, and I'm Lindsay, and we want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Today, we are going to discuss a very strange disappearance. And we've had a couple episodes where we've discussed people disappearing in unusual circumstances. This is another one. And what adds a little bit more mystery to it is it happened on a Disney cruise ship. It's an interesting layer. It's an interesting layer for sure. It is. Yeah. So today, we'll be discussing Rebecca Corium. And to start out, let's talk about her as a person first. She was born on March 11th, 1987 in Chester, England. She also went by a couple other names that look like sometimes Becky and some of her friends called her Bex, which I think is really cute. I love Bex as a nickname. Right? She was known to have a pretty close relationship with her family while growing up. And a lot of people said she was social and had a very bubbly personality. She attended Plymouth University and studied sports science. And I did see later on she took some classes in youth studies at Liverpool Hope University as well. Her career seemed to usually involve the outdoors and children. And I saw it once. She worked at the Chester Zoo, which sounds pretty exciting. When I was saying she liked to work outdoors and with kids, at one point, too, she even went to Maine to work for a short time at a camp. So, you know, seemed like there was a pattern of jobs that she found interesting. Interesting. I wonder why she went to Maine to do that. Do they have summer camps in England? I'd assume so, but maybe it was a specific opportunity. I've seen it listed a few times, but they don't really ever give details as to specifically why Maine. It might have been like a program that she was working with. And, you know, sometimes people like to travel and do things. Yeah. I mean, okay. And also, (laughs) just as a note, before we get into this too much, we're talking about a thing that happened in 2011, which is since the internet existed, right? Yeah. And there's, shockingly, not as much as you'd think on this disappearance, and there's varying details. So keep that in mind as we continue, because I think that this is a good point to to make that, is that the reason why we don't have a lot of information is because there's there's really not a lot of information. If you think, mm-hmm. like, compared to Brian Schaefer, yes. where, like, you know, you can throw a rock into the internet and someone's like, oh, let me tell you everything about that case, like... I don't think that there's a lot of information that's known about this. There's just a lot of conjecture. Correct. And like, here are basic facts leading up to it. Yes. And if there is something that varied quite a bit, we mention it too. Yes. Always. So because she loved working with children so much, she ended up getting what her parents described as her dream job, working with kids on the Disney Cruise Line, which... You know, that's one of the happiest places on Earth, right? You got like Disneyland and all the Disneyland parks. But then if you want Disneyland on the sea, this seems like a literal fucking nightmare to me, by the way. Like, that's not a job I would want (laughs) at all. Do you want to work with strangers, children who are too excited and getting tired and more tired by the moment and getting agitated? We've got the place for you. Do you want never ending child squeals? We've got the place for you. I mean, yeah. I mean, at least I guess Disneyland and the parks close at a certain time and this is 24-7. But I don't know, kids, when I take Oliver to Disneyland, he is stoked to be alive there, right? He could be here for hours and be a cranky monster. 
But at Disneyland, crankiness is a little less, but depends on the age, I guess. So Rebecca interviewed for the job in June of 2010, and she was 23 years old at the time. And she beat out hundreds of other applicants and got hired on. And from what we understand, you really need to stand out to get hired at Disney. And I'm sure everyone's seen that where people want to work for them. And it's like a hard job to get. You have to be a, a specific type of person to get hired on, especially when you're customer facing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, woof, woof. And after accepting the job, she had to train at Disney for four months in Florida. And this is one of the facts that I've seen various time frames, but she did have to go to Florida to train. There's a woman I follow on TikTok who it was like right before the pandemic started. She got hired to work at Disney. And it was like that situation where this was her literal dream. And she was so fucking excited. And she was showing like the behind the scenes of that process. And like she showed like that they have Disney dorms. Yes. Like on the property. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting because it makes sense that if you're going to have people go to a particular destination to train for an extended period of time, you'd give them housing. But it's just interesting that it's like, you are Disney. (laughs) You are Disney. It's kind of like militant. It is, but also if it's a thing you're so excited about, it keeps that excitement up high, you know? Right, right. Anyway, let's get back to Rebecca's story. So after her training, she spent about four months working on cruises that were going to the Bahamas. And unfortunately, she had a death in the family and she had lost her grandfather. Because of this, she took some time off. And we've seen varying ranges on the, of that time period. It's been two weeks to two months for her to have been off of work before she comes back. So when she did return to work, she was assigned as a youth activity worker on the Disney Wonder Ship, which is like a wonder if you haven't looked at it before. It's pretty magnificent. There's a lot going on. And it's to me just like wild that we have these structures that can like just bob in the ocean. What a what a time. You know what blew my mind is some ships now have parks on top. Like with trees. I don't know why that weirds me out so much, but the middle of the ocean was from traveling trees. All I can say is that's an abomination and a crime against God. (laughs) And I really do mean it. I feel that strongly about that. Okay. At the time of her coming back to the ship. So when Rebecca came back to work, the ship was leaving the Los Angeles port and was headed to the Mexican Riviera. And she worked for about six weeks until she vanished. So let's talk a little bit about the time around her disappearance. So on March 21st of 2011, Rebecca sent a message to her parents on Facebook saying that she would call them the following day. And it's pretty standard because she was talking to them via Facebook or Skype or something that she could send messages through Wi-Fi. They weren't getting good service because there aren't cell phone towers in the ocean. So that makes sense. That would be an abomination too, right, Lindsay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll take it though. I mean, yeah, that's the one frustrating thing I have when I'm on a cruise is like, there's no way to communicate with anyone and it drives me nuts. Oh, yeah, that's true. So that same day, March 21st, the ship was leaving Los Angeles and was starting to head towards Mexico. And then the next communication her parents received was that she was missing that following evening. Right. So let's talk about the last time that she was seen. So the last confirmed sighting of Rebecca was on March 22nd at 5.45 a.m. on deck one. This would have been a few hours before her shift began. So pretty early in the morning. Security footage shows her in a crew area talking on an internal phone, because remember, cell phones aren't going to work where they are. 
But weirdly, on this footage, she's wearing clothes that seem too big for her. And according to the sources, she appears to be upset. And the reason why I say that is because I've looked everywhere for the actual footage, but I don't believe all of it was ever released. There are several different stills from the footage that you can find online, but you can't find exactly like her movements or anything like that. Interesting. Right. So during the footage, a man walks up to her and asks if she's all right. And I guess what you can see is like she says something like, yeah, fine. And then she puts the phone down and turns around, putting her hands in her back pockets. And then she brushes her hair back before walking away. And we know this because her parents have done some interviews and they discuss what they were able to see on the footage. Interesting. Yeah. So after that, she does not show up for her shift. The footage doesn't really show where she went, but it is speculated by investigators later that she had went to the private pool area for the crew, and that would have been on deck five. It's wild to me to think about not showing up for your shift when you are on this floating structure, and it's not like you can call out and no one's going to know where you are, right? Like, they're going to know you're there. I wonder how often people on cruise ships don't show up for their shifts, because it's like, they're going to go knock on your door and be like, what's going on? Did you just miss your shift? Did you sleep in? People often are first noticed to be missing because of not showing up for work. But this is like, you know, pretty soon after if that person has a shift. Exactly. Exactly. And from what I understand, like I was looking up kind of what you're saying, like, does that happen a lot? And from what I was able to find here and there, it's like some people, obviously, when they get sick or the crew have their own areas on a ship. And I knew that, but I didn't know the extent of it. But they have like their own hangout areas. They have their own pools. They have their own bars. They have their own gym. Like there's so much stuff on particular ships. And that varies. What about the people who work in those bars? Do those employees have an employee section away from the employees? You know what? I don't. I didn't get that that into it. But I saw like sometimes they drink too much and are sick the next morning and things like that. I mean, that makes sense. I could see that happening. And so... From what I understand is they obviously checked her room, didn't see her. They even did like an announcement on the ship, calling her somewhere. Nothing. So the crew searched the ship. No signs of her. And this is kind of varied as well. But supposedly, the U.S. and Mexican navies searched the international waters where the ship had been sailing with no results. Some sources say the Coast Guard also searched. Some say that they may have not even searched the right area. But supposedly, someone searched for her. In an interview with Mike and Ann Corium, which were her parents, they said that they expected the U.S. authorities or the FBI to board the ship when it docked. Once they were alerted about Rebecca's disappearance, they headed to Los Angeles for when it was going to dock, like when it was coming back. They got there on March 25th. Remember, they lived in England, so they had a far trip to make. What they learned when they got to the U.S. is that the U.S. was not going to be involved. They were told that it wasn't within the U.S. jurisdiction. And that is because where the ship was registered. And that's pretty common with cruise ships is where it's registered is where it'll fall. Or like when it's traveling, those waters don't belong to anyone. So it's hard to figure out like who investigates what and when it's appropriate. Under the flags of convenience system, jurisdiction falls to the country that the ship is registered to which in this case was the Bahamas. So even though they weren't near the Bahamas, they were traveling to Mexico from LA. The Bahamas is the jurisdiction. I can understand that logic. But regardless of the country that is in charge, I would assume it would be a thorough search 
or investigation and or if you have a country where companies tend to register their ships, there would be some sort of mechanism for how you do investigations relating to those ships, right? Like it wouldn't just be like standard police issue. Say it was, you know, registered to America. Are they going to send the Baltimore County Police Department on the cruise ship? Or do they have people who are honestly a little bit more skilled in understanding like crime on a cruise ship and how that could look and how that could be different and the evidence and what types of surveillance there is or is not or how the ships are laid out or what is a reasonable accidental death. And I feel like all of those things, it, it would make sense to have a person who specialized in that. And honestly, it would even make sense to if you're going to go as far as having an international document to have an international investigation team that is funded by cruise ships. Yeah. And I did see that there's a lot surrounding this where there's a big push to have better regulations and like better ways to enforce things that a lot of people are working on. But it's wild because I haven't looked at the side before of seeing who's in charge of what. And even though it leaves and comes back to a U.S. port, it's interesting. So Mike and Anne, her parents, went aboard the ship when it docked and they were shown the security footage of the morning that Rebecca disappeared. And the way that they were able to dock and when was a little odd. Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Anne asked the captain what his thoughts were, like what happened? And she said in an interview that he told her after the phone call, Rebecca walked onto deck five, and that's when a rogue wave may have taken her over. Isn't that random, though? Like just, oh, a wave probably got her. And that's a captain of a ship telling you that. Are waves the type of alien? Right. A wave probably got her. Waves don't just come up out of the ocean and like pick people up. Also, it would be a lot of damage if that big of a wave like came and took someone. You would see a bunch of like, I don't know, chairs everywhere or tables flipped or something or water. <laughs> like literal fucking water. Also, there would be surveillance footage of, of the damage from that wave. Yes. Yes. There would be something they could see like, oh, you know, we don't, we didn't have a, camera pointed at the exact location where we think she was. But if you look at these cameras, you can see how far the range of the waves damage what it did. And in that situation, even though it's not the exact footage, you can go, oh, okay, I can see why you would think that versus like wave got her. Right, right. So what they did then is they took her parents to the deck and her parents were like, "Mm -mm, that's not possible. And the way that her mother described it is she's like, there's a high metal ledge. And from all the other sources, what we gathered is it looks like there was some sort of high wall, which would have made falling or jumping pretty difficult, if not impossible. Some of them described it as being like six feet high and just not something you could just easily climb. And the crew pool area is there, right? And they were like, even the crew can't really even see the water from where they are because the ledge is so big. It's kind of like a hidden crew area because, again, you're for the guests on the boat, they don't want to see the crew area. They want to see the magic. They want to see the Mickey Mouse area, right? Yeah. Or like where the characters are. So they did a pretty good job of not hiding it, but just putting it where it's somewhere you wouldn't really notice, I guess is the best way I can say. I also, if I was a crew member, I wouldn't want people like gawking able to see me and like, oh, can you help me get this? Because they know it's a bunch of employees. Right. Right. Like, no, absolutely not. Get away from me. Right. They needed a place to be off, be where they wouldn't be bothered. And yeah, they can have time off where people aren't going to interrupt them. Yeah. 
So no one on deck five remembered seeing her that morning. And her parents were pressured into accepting that she somehow departed the ship from deck five. They even, I guess, brought them flowers to lay there. And her mom said that felt like it was awake. I hate this so fucking much. But I cannot fathom being forced to believe that your loved one basically just disappeared or went overboard on a ship when there's no evidence to prove that when there should be. Right. We'll talk about it in a little bit, kind of like how they were brought on. But like, there's a lot that happens where it's just confusing. And my heart just breaks for Mike and Anne. Mm -hmm. To lose your child, and then to have, honestly, the world's worst lie. Like, it's not even a good story. It's not even a story that makes sense and is logical in your brain. Because Grief does crazy things in your head, right, already, because it's hard to lose somebody who's important to you. And I would imagine losing a child is the worst thing. And your brain is going to do a lot of things and it's going to do a lot of mental work and a lot of labor and a lot of spinning. If there's holes in the story, it makes it hurt so much harder. Yes. There's no closure. Yeah. Yeah. So in addition to her parents boarding the ship, Detective Paul Roll from the Bahamas, where the ship was registered, also flew in to investigate. Sources vary about how much time he spent investigating, but it sounds like it was only a few hours to maybe a day and nothing came from his investigation. Rebecca's parents have said that he only interviewed a few crew members and no passengers. And from what we've seen, when people were boarding the ship, whether it is her parents or the detective, I don't think we've seen anything that suggests that they made a special stop for this to be investigated and figured out. It was no. they were stopping at a normal pause in in their router itinerary, which means that some of the crew was likely off the ship. Passengers were disembarking. There was probably a lot of chaos and a lot of turnover at that moment. So I don't see how one person could investigate an entire cruise ship in a day, a week, a month. These things are so massive that they hold thousands and thousands of people, plus all of the supplies to feed these people and entertain them and keep everything clean and all of the employees as well. And this was days after her disappearance, too. Yeah, and days after. So, like, we don't have a fresh crime scene and we don't even have a person who is investigating. And we'll get to why I get extra spicy about this, because it's very clear that there was no investigation to me. Right. Like, that's what I think. Like, I think that he came on as a matter of, like, saying he was there, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem like he did much of anything. No. I wonder if there are any passengers who later found out that they were on this cruise who remembered seeing something and just didn't know how to get in contact with people. Yeah. Or like, say you saw something that seemed strange, but you were like, "Eh, whatever, it's not my business, right? Or you saw something that wasn't strange and it's just in your head. Mm -hmm. So later on, Rebecca's parents met with both Disney executives and the woman who Rebecca had been talking to on the phone. And that's when they gave her, quote, Rebecca's belongings. We're going to put those in heavy air quotes. So later, her parents recalled being exhausted because they hadn't slept in days. And I mean, how could you, right? Your child's missing. People are giving you vague answers. In interviews, they've talked about how they wish they would have asked more questions, but they didn't realize that this one meeting was their only chance to ask questions, that they would just be shut down and ignored after that. I felt so bad for them for that. 
That's not fair. Of course, because it's not fair and it's not reasonable and it feels predatory because you're taking advantage of this person's grief. But rumors of possible suicide circulated and Rebecca's parents dismissed that idea. And we'll talk about it a little bit more when we talk about other theories that match with this. But Disney tried to say that she was drunk and furious on that footage and that she had been banging her head into walls. But the woman she was speaking with on the phone said that their conversation started with her being upset, but she cooled down very quickly. Again, just the idea that they are being forced into this conclusion with so little evidence and being told like, okay, just deal with this is is wild to me. So let's talk a little bit about some of the weird things that happened after Rebecca's disappearance. When Rebecca's parents arrived in Los Angeles, they were taken to the port, but the car they were in had blacked out windows And they were brought onto the boat using a back entrance. And it kind of seems like Disney was trying to hide what happened. There's no part of me that thinks that a company, any company, but especially Disney, would be open about being possibly associated with a death or a crime. So, I mean, okay, I can understand why they would do that. So Mike and Anne hired a private investigator named Roy Ram. According to that private investigator, the ocean conditions near Puerto Vallarta, where the ship would have been at the time of her vanishing, were pretty tame. So that wave would be pretty abnormal for there just to be a rogue wave that again just comes up and snatches her and goes back down and everything else is fine. There was no indication of a storm or anything like that. So in addition, in order for a wave to be able to come over deck five and its six foot wall and kind of take a person back overboard with it, it would need to be a hundred feet high. And that's a pretty tall fucking wave. There would have been some evidence of that. So you, again, like you would have seen it in some of the security footage. There would have been furniture that was strewn about. Right. And it's the pool area. Yeah. Yeah. But like worst case scenario, like you would have seen just some disarray, a little bit of chaos somewhere. Yes. Yes. Agreed. So in addition, Ram believes that the footage that was shown was cropped to hide the timestamp and location. And he, along with some other investigators he was working with, viewed an undoctored version of the footage and believed that it was actually shot on a different deck. Rebecca's family had asked for copies of this footage and they've been denied. I would imagine that it would be very difficult, if not impossible, to get copies of this footage because there's not any legal mechanism associated with this. Like there's not an official U.S. investigation. And if they're saying, oh, no, she died, there's not an investigation into her being missing. How do they force them to do that when they're like, no, this is fine. Right. And then in early May of 2011, a few weeks after Rebecca's parents got home, they received an email from her bank saying that someone tried to, quote, gain access to one of her accounts on April 19th. And her credit card had not been found with her belongings. And what was strange is someone tried to use it. So according to her father, either she was alive at that time or someone stole her card. And just as a reminder, she had went missing on March 22nd. So this is almost a month after that which is a pretty long time. And then another strange occurrence is around September is when it was discovered, but someone had changed her Facebook password. And the way that we know this is Rebecca's uncle, John Jennings, had tried to log in and notice that it had recently been changed. 
I believe he was looking into something or possibly trying to figure out if she was communicating with someone, perhaps. Yeah. The idea that her uncle knew her Facebook password to me is fascinating because no one in my family would know my Facebook password. Like nowadays you have the legacy option on there so that someone can access it. But I don't think anyone could get into my Facebook if they weren't on my computer. Yeah, I didn't see anything that elaborated how he knew it, just that he had access to it. And it could be maybe she had a laptop at home where she was logged into her email. You know, something like that. That makes sense. That just like struck me because I was like, how'd they get into it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would be scouring anything. If a loved one of mine was gone, I'd be like, all right, I'm an internet detective now. Let's figure this out. No one's missing in my life. And I'm an internet detective now. (laughs) Fair. And this next part, I've seen a couple varied time frames, but it was around the anniversary of her disappearance. Her father received an email from a woman who said that she was 85% sure that she had seen Rebecca with a dark haired man in Venice, Italy, the previous August. Her parents were like, well, her passport was recovered with her belongings, so it might be kind of hard for her to travel around without it. But still, like that ounce of hope that they had in their hearts makes me so sad. What I saw is that they were pushing this out there. Like they had a website for Rebecca. They had as much social media coverage and things like that as they could to get the word out there. And unfortunately, I tried to go to the website. It's it's no longer there. Now it's like a spam website. But they, they did what they could. Which feels fair. I mean, we're also at 12 years later. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that October, this is the part where I'm like, this is fascinating to me. A British journalist named John Ronson took a cruise on the Wonder to ask some questions discreetly. And it sounds like he met with her parents to be like, are you okay with me doing this? And they're like, yep. So his article was published on November 11th of 2011. And he interviewed and did what he could while he was on the ship. He was told by several crew members in secret that there was more known about what happened to Rebecca than Disney or the Bahamas police admitted publicly. One crew member told him, quote, Disney knows exactly what happened. That call she had, it was taped. Everything here is taped. There's CCTV everywhere. That gives me chills. I don't like it. And it stresses me out. But again, that's what I'm saying about the wave, is that if there was footage everywhere, they would have seen the wave. And just generally, I feel very confident, like 85% confident, that for liability's sake, Disney would have cameras everywhere that they can reasonably have them not in bedrooms not in bathrooms but like everywhere else right clearly they would want to have footage to protect themselves from various civil lawsuits so if somebody slipped and fell if a passenger went overboard if a crew member went overboard like they would have footage so that they could prove that xyz didn't happen and it's hard for me to believe that in 2011 they didn't have that well what i think about is Disneyland, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever read the articles about like how much Disneyland knows what's going on in their parks to the point where I guess a lot of people try to sprinkle ashes of people at Disneyland or on certain rides. Don't do that. Don't do that. And that they can pinpoint who's doing it, what's going on when it's happening. So if they can see stuff like that, I would think that they would have that same branding in a sense on their ships because like you said it's a safety hazard and they would want to prevent that because they wouldn't want that to be in the news all the time another crew member fell another crew member fell they would want to know when and where and how anything happened 
Exactly. So Ronson continued asking crew members what they knew. And another one said, I don't know anything about it. It didn't happen. You know, that's the answer I have to give. Which he was like, huh, that's weird. Ronson walked the ship, talked to several people. He observed a lot and tried to get a feel for the place. In his opinion, the only place that Rebecca could have actually fallen was probably from Deck 4's jogging track. And that would make sense because Rebecca did like to jog. She was pretty fit. She was known to go out there and work out and stuff. But one thing that he noticed on Deck 4 is that there's a lot of cameras in the area. So had it happened there, he was like, well, wouldn't they have had coverage of it? But then it's speculated that maybe they added those after the fact. So what he was seeing on that particular cruise, he couldn't tell if those were new cameras or if they had been there the whole time. I would think that of all of the places that they would put security cameras and footage like that, they would put it on a jogging track because you're more likely to have somebody like hurt themselves while doing an athletic activity. So if they were not going to have cameras everywhere, okay, maybe they didn't, but they would definitely have it on the jogging track because what if a guest pulled a muscle? What if somebody tore something? Safety-wise, I think that they would have a security feed there and also to protect themselves from liability, they would probably also have something there because chances are if it's raining, they probably close it, right? So that people can't slip and fall. So they would have security footage to make sure that people couldn't go run on the track when it was slick. So it's just, it's hard for me to think that they didn't have it there. Right. Of all places, that to me is the most likely place that she would be. But if that was a place where she was also the most likely to fall, I could see them not wanting to share that because that would open them up to a lawsuit from her family. Right. Right. Yeah. Typically, like around most cruises, I mean, I've only, I haven't been on very many. They have pretty high walls where like for you to fall accidentally, that would be kind of hard to do, in my opinion, at least. And I, I'm a short person though. So maybe tall people have issues. I don't know. I'm feeling good down here. Right. I'm close to the ground. Okay. So continuing with Ronson and his observations, he went to discuss, you know, what happened to Rebecca with another employee. And when he was talking to the employee, I think he was trying to like say, well, maybe it happened on deck four. And the employee's like, no, 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 it happened on deck five. And then he told Ronson how he could even view the employee swimming pool. And I guess there's like this little area, the way that he describes it, I guess, is you go up to deck 10 and you can look down and see the employee swimming pool. But what he noticed, too, is that big wall where he's like, they can't even see the sea. Like, it's it's a pretty substantial wall. So later, Ronson also spoke with a Disney spokesperson. He didn't name them or anything. But he said that she told him the police in the Bahamas had told Disney at the time that the investigation was ongoing. Also, he was like, well, was that phone call recorded by chance? And she said, quote, that pertains to specific details about the investigation. And so it's not appropriate for us to share that kind of information. I hate it. I hate it. I mean, it makes sense if there was an open investigation. But like we know now, there wasn't really an investigation truly going on. And we'll have more reasons for that, too. He did try to reach out to the detective from the Bahamas, and he never returned the call. So earlier, we talked about the fact that Rebecca's parents were given her belongings. When they received those belongings, what they got was a pair of flip-flops that they said were hers because they were found near the crew pool, but that's also located on deck five. And 
This is one of the reasons why they think that perhaps she did disappear from Deck 5. But her friends on board said that those flip-flops were not her style. It didn't even look like they were the correct size. Some sources even said that it had a passenger's name and cabin number on the shoe or another crew member's information. Her parents said that looking at them, they looked like they were the wrong size, but there was no forensic test ever done. And you would imagine that of everything, you would take a look at their belongings. Step one is you look at their stuff because maybe there's a note if it was a suicide. Maybe there is a clue as to some perhaps nefarious behavior. Perhaps everything's packed up incredibly neatly. That's bizarre. There could be some signs of like what happened, you know, or maybe it looks rifled through. Yeah. But either way, what a slap in the face to get your loved one's belongings back and then it not even be theirs. Did they think the family wouldn't notice? Right. And there's pictures of this flip flop, too, online. It's hard to Mm -hmm. see what it says on the side. Mm -hmm. But I mean, multiple people are like, that's not hers. Yeah. And so according to Rebecca's father, Mike, he said that Disney didn't follow correct protocol and they didn't turn the boat around to look for her. And that in addition, he believes that incorrect coordinates were given to the Navy and the Coast Guard. Bizarre. The way I think about that is like, if a human fell off of a cruise ship and wasn't found within minutes, maybe an hour or two, I don't know how long a person could survive in open water like that, especially with nothing to hold on to at all, presumably with sea creatures and waves. That's difficult. So coordinates would have helped them perhaps find remains, but I don't think that would have saved her. There have been successful missions where they have been able to save people that have fallen. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they have. Because like one of the reasons they have those security cameras is so they can see if somebody falls. Mm -hmm. And if you see someone falls immediately or within a reasonable period of time, like you can turn around, you can call someone to help. So let's talk about some of the theories about what actually did happen. The first is that Rebecca wasn't on deck five and that there's a cover up of some sort. And the reason that people think this is because the investigation was terrible. I feel like that's, you know, there's no arguing that it was a bad investigation. I don't even think you can call it an investigation. And Disney told its crew not to discuss it. And even people close to Rebecca on the ship were never questioned. One of her friends even said, I was never spoken to by any security or police at all to call this an investigation is an insult. Agreed. That's heartbreaking. And also, again, there's so many security cameras. It's odd that there was supposedly nothing captured and there wasn't any type of forensic investigation. Not that they had much to go off of, but even like the sandal to ensure that that was hers. Maybe that was like what she was wearing when they found it. You know, I don't know. I mean, even check her room for blood. Yeah. That would be really basic. Like you check her room for blood, like you make sure that like all of her belongings don't look like damaged through. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So years later, in 2017, Tracy Medley, who was a woman who worked on the ship with Rebecca, who also was dating her, gave a story about some of her relationship struggles. And part of the reason that she had done this was to kind of clear her name and to kind of talk about what, what she says did happen. Per Tracy, she thinks that Rebecca climbed over one of the six-foot railings on deck five and jumped. So this is kind of what Tracy explains. She said that she, and by she I mean Tracy, had been dating Devin Hyde, who also worked in the ship, and that when she and Rebecca started to date one another, Devin was on shore leave. But when he came back, 
Tracy and him started back up again. And Rebecca was upset by this, which I mean, I feel like that's pretty fair. I'd be upset too. Right? That breaks my heart for her. Especially if you didn't know. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that would not feel good. So the night before Rebecca disappeared, Tracy, Rebecca, and Devin had been drinking and then they all went back to Devin's room. Tracy says that Rebecca initiated a threesome and that they dozed off and Rebecca told Tracy they should go. Tracy wanted to stay and sleep. Tracy says Rebecca said she was going for a walk and would come back and that she left the door unlocked for her. According to Tracy, Devin gave Rebecca something to wear. And so when we talked about that security footage in the beginning, we talked about how she had oversized clothes that looked like they were a man's. That would explain what she was wearing. Rebecca never returned to the room and Tracy says that she never left the room and that that morning she was like, something's not right because when she woke up, Rebecca wasn't there and she'd expected her to come back. Yeah. And the door was still unlocked. So like it showed that she didn't, you know, come back in. Yeah. Tracy also said that Rebecca had shared her suicidal thoughts in the past so that like it wasn't completely out of the blue. And from what I understand, depression isn't uncommon among people who work on cruise lines. Yeah, they're isolated. Yeah. And I would imagine that it's hard to feel close to people who you are close with, who are living a whole separate life on land when you're relegated to the ships for months on end. One of the things that I saw when we were researching for this is that before you can work on a cruise ship, you have to go through like certain like medical testing to make sure that you're fit. And I believe that part of that might be a mental check to make sure that you were able to do it. I, I find it kind of odd that she wouldn't have said something to someone until this happened especially if rebecca was having suicidal thoughts to the point that tracy assumes that that's why she went missing and that means that they were serious enough where she thought that they were that she would do it well and from other people's perspectives of what i've found them looking at tracy and rebecca's relationship they're like it was a passionate one good and bad mm-hmm like, they would be so into it, and then they'd be fighting. Then they'd be into it, then they'd be really fighting. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if Tracy didn't want to feel responsible. Not that anyone is ever responsible for that. Yeah. But I'm thinking of it as like, oh, well, I made her upset that night, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe she was kind of internalizing it. And maybe that's why she was a little scared is if like they were fighting, which it sounds like they kind of were. Yeah. That she wouldn't want that responsibility. And again, not never blaming anyone for anyone else's choices or what's going on. But yeah, I could see it. Yeah, I, I could see holding that heaviness. Yeah. If you were like having a negative interaction with someone before you think that they took their own life. Right. That's a that's a heavy bird to carry. It is. But here's the thing. Rebecca's family and friends do not think that she took her own life. And in addition to this, we've seen some reports that really suggest that Rebecca was setting her life up with a future. Rebecca and her parents had vacation plans that were coming up and they were really looking forward to them. Rebecca had received tickets to Disneyland in Paris and had been excited when she was messaging her mom about it. And then reports vary as to who knew about the trip, but some say it was a surprise and some say that she told her mom. I can't imagine having this exciting trip planned with your mom that you two are going to go do a thing together and then taking your life. Right, right. And not leaving something for your mom then, like an explanation or just a goodbye note, whatever it may be. There's nothing left that we found, right? Yeah. And who's who's to say, if, by the way, because the investigation was so shitty... That, there, that it would have even been found. And I would like to think that if she 
did take her own life, like that wouldn't have been withheld. That's closure. So she had another friend on the ship and Ronson spoke with her. And in his article, he named her Melissa. And I think, you know, just to keep her information private. So I'm going to call her Melissa as well. She said that Rebecca loved to hang out on the fifth deck and it was just her favorite place to relax. She suspects that Rebecca may have climbed the six foot wall to sit on the ledge and accidentally fell off. When she was describing her, she's like, she's a risk taker. And perhaps she got up there and was like, oh, no, I've made a mistake and had, you know, no intention of harming herself. But it was just a really, really bad mistake that happened when she climbed up and maybe she fell. If there was a video that showed that it was possible for a person to easily climb up and climb over, that would open up Disney to some liability. It would. Yeah. And during their conversation, too. She mentioned that security on the ship was airtight and that it's weird that the cameras didn't capture anything. When Ronson asked why she thought it might be suppressed, her response was to protect the brand. Quote, if it was 6 a.m. and they were doing their job and watching the front, someone must have seen her go over. Or if they didn't, they're covering up why they didn't. Fuck. So a little different, but like, yeah, I mean, there should have been someone watching for things, right? She also discussed kind of like a, I don't know, the best way I could describe it is a weird ceremony Disney had next to the crew pool, where they put flowers on the wall next to the pool. And she said that they didn't really say much about it. And when a lot of the crew asked questions like, why are we doing this here? They just wouldn't answer it. Does that sound similar to what her mother described where she was like, it feels like a wake? Yes. I wonder if it's that same occurrence or... It would be even stranger if they had multiple occurrences of them putting flowers near this deck. Yeah, she didn't specify when it was. So I don't know if it was the same day her parents were there. But she she just thought it was bizarre because they just refused to answer anything. Because I would think if they wanted to give the crew closure, right? Because they're all pretty tight knit. They work together every freaking day. They're going to be sad that someone that they work with died, whether they're friends or not. And for them, just like ignoring questions is a little odd because at least like help give your crew closure so that they can perform well on the next cruise, you know, or like if they have passengers already on there, you want them to be, I I know you can't just be like, all right, you're done grieving, but like help them. She also was upset that no one cared to ask her about the shoes that was found because she's like, I could have easily identified that those were not Rebecca's. So let's move on to another theory. And the other theory is that she was perhaps murdered after being sexually assaulted. And this one, it's hard. It's really hard. So Ram, remember the private investigator, he found a pair of ripped shorts in Rebecca's remaining personal items from her cabin. I'm just so annoyed with the detective. But that should have been one of the things that the detective from the Bahamas, Detective Roll, should have noticed. Step fucking one is go look at her stuff. And you're telling me you see a ripped pair of shorts and you're not concerned? Exactly. Yeah. So Ram, the private investigator and other law enforcement, believe that this may be a sign of a struggle or possibly sexual assault before her disappearance. And some theorize this is why she looks so distraught in the video. Her parents believe that she was wearing the odd clothes, you know, the baggy clothes too, because she threw on whatever was available to escape the cabin after an attack. And so that's two different stories now, right? So Tracy, the girlfriend, said one thing. And now another theory is saying, no, she just grabbed what she could to get out of there. In addition, when Rebecca went home for that funeral, remember when she started working, went home for a little while for the funeral and then came back, 
She had shared with some of her friends that she was worried about getting sexually assaulted while working on the ship. That's a very particular concern. And I would I would be curious as to why she was concerned. Exactly. So was there a person? Because I mean, like, as a woman, I'm we're always concerned about it. It's an ever present fear. But clearly it was enhanced. Right. So I wonder if there's a particular individual that made her uncomfortable, or if it was just because that is a common crime amongst cruise ships. And there's a lot of different industries. Especially if there's no one to actually fucking investigate it. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So she did share that with a friend. Some believe that she was heading to the medical unit that morning, which would have also been on deck one. So something might have happened and she was going to receive medical help. Other reports surfaced from Mark Rotherham, who was head of security on the ship. And he said that Rebecca felt like the only way to be with her girlfriend was to have that threesome with Devin. And he continued, quote, Rebecca was very, very uncomfortable with it, but she did it anyway. I think it was her first time sleeping with a man. One source also mentioned that the person Rebecca was talking to that morning, her name was Tracy O'Brien. So not the girlfriend, a different Tracy. And she was a friend on the ship, like a mutual friend between the two of them. And Tracy O'Brien said that Rebecca had called her that morning crying. Quote, she said that they'd asked her to do a threesome. I told her not to go back to them and to go to bed. She stopped crying. I told her I'd talk to Tracy about it in the morning, as I always had to talk to her when they were arguing with each other. So like that phone call, if she was upset about it, and then, you know, remember at the beginning, we were saying she was upset, and then she quickly calmed down. Yeah, that does make a little sense. And it could be, we don't know, right? We don't know what happened. We can't ask her. But either way, it seems like something upset her that morning. And if she told her friend that, I think that something weird happened, right? It would be weird of her friend to just make that up. Yes. Right? Like, that would be a strange thing for her to just volunteer. Even if she was, for example, say what happened was girlfriend Tracy's version, right? And what friend Tracy is trying to do is preserve... Rebecca's memory so people don't think bad things about her. Even in that situation, there's ways that you can talk about it that don't include that. Mm -hmm. Right? We have these like separate people talking about this saying like, no, she did not want to do this. And she was upset. And this was not an experience that she was seeking out. Yeah, that makes me very sad. And it makes me even more frustrated that a woman who she was in a relationship with may have so that she took her own life. Mm -hmm. And it's very bizarre, too, because of the lack of investigation. A lot of this information trickled out at various times, right? Like it wasn't just fresh, let's interview everyone. It's at various times. So there is one part. I don't know if this is true. I saw it in one source. But there was a rumor, too, that Devin may have been married at the time. So he had a little bit of a reason to try to keep the interaction quiet. I can't confirm that, though. Ugh. So because, you know, this theory that maybe she was murdered, some people go back to that bank activity and the password change too, saying perhaps someone was trying to cover their tracks or maybe they did steal her card, you know, or they were trying to delete logs. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe who she was talking to to get their name off the radar, maybe. Mm -hmm. Or like unfriend them. Yep. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people do say if it is something like this. Disney would try to keep it quiet because that's bad publicity. And just like Lindsay said, though, like any hospitality place, hotel, travel destination, touristy place would likely do the same, right? Because it would hurt their money 
in a number of ways. People going, people not feeling safe, not wanting to go. There's so many different reasons, but it makes sense that they would in a bad way. Like I feel very, very strongly that that is not the way we should all operate, but I see it. No, I mean, I think that one could see the business benefit in this information not being widely spread. And then also Ram, so private investigator did say, quote, as far as I'm concerned, this is a murder investigation until someone proves it's not. So the last theory that we're going to talk about is that perhaps she was abducted. And some people claim to have seen her over the years, and some people believe that she may have been taken off the ship and sex trafficked. I hate that idea. But one of the things that I found interesting was that we talked about how their stopping wasn't to investigate. It was because they had reached their end destination, like they've come, they'd come back to LA. So people were disembarking. The trafficking theory is interesting. I think that you would have to have a lot of people working together for that to happen. Yes. So you would have to have people who had footage. You would have to have a person to get her off the boat. And I don't think that in a situation where a person was full on kidnapped, I'm hoping that that's not a thing that Disney would do, right? It's one thing to be like liability. It's another thing to be like, this person was smuggled off the boat and we saw it happen and we're not going to do anything. Right. Again, not saying they did either one, but agreed. Don't sue us. The protocol normally, whether you're a crew member or just like a passenger on a ship, let's say she didn't disappear that morning. Let's say it was after they docked in Mexico. Maybe they couldn't find her right away, but that doesn't mean that she wasn't on the ship still. And somehow she got off in Mexico and was trafficked. In order to leave the boat, it's a very uh, structured thing where like you have to sign out, whether you're a passenger or crew. You normally have some sort of like key card or whatever. So it would have been, like you said, they all had to be working together to purposefully not scan her card as she left and purposefully not reviewed video footage of the people leaving the ship that day. So it it's a little bit of a stretch, but I'm not ruling it out 100%. Yeah, yeah, that's my mentality. So not surprisingly, Rebecca's loved ones are still looking for answers. The lack of investigation, the lack of questioning, the way that there was never evidence that was really collected or examined. The case is cold and like kind of as cold as it can be. The family never received the footage that they asked for or the recorded phone call, a final report or really anything about the investigation. However, in 2015, the Coriums did receive an out of court settlement with Disney. And the amount wasn't disclosed. But because of this, they can't speak publicly about the case. And I think what's interesting to note about that is that if they are saying that she was swept off of the boat and that's how she went missing, that is still something that they could absolutely receive a settlement amount for. Yes. And when we say out of court, it just means that they settled before it went to trial. And so it's not surprising to me that Disney would want to settle a case that could have a lot of publicity. And so whether or not the idea of her going overboard is the correct theory, I could see that settlement happening. Yes. Agreed. And it's just interesting, like around 400 people have gone missing from cruise ships in the last 20 years. There are 30 million people who take cruises each year. Amanda, what do you think happened to Rebecca? So I'm a little torn. Obviously, everyone will be because there's no evidence. But clearly, she was distressed about something. She confided in her friend on the phone. So it sounds like her friend had helped with their relationship several times before that. Like that was kind of a common occurrence, not this intense, right? Like what happened mm-hmm. or what may have happened that morning? I don't know. 
But I fought with myself this week during research, like, okay, she climbed up like that makes sense. If she was like a risk taker, climbed up, went, oh, shit, I made a mistake and fell. Very sad could have happened. But then on the other hand, like after hearing what's come out in the last few years about Devin possibly being married and that maybe she didn't want to do what she did with them, or, you know, maybe after she had reservations, who could know? We can't talk to her. That perhaps someone didn't want all that getting out. And maybe she did make it onto deck four where it was easy for someone to just throw her off. And it's hard to say without footage. And, you know, like I... I see both sides of like, if there was a murder on board, and that could happen anywhere too. Like it could happen literally anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A particular cruise ship or like the cruise ship industry in this sense, because murders happen all over the world. But like making sure that it's not investigated the proper way, kind of like my conspiracy theory personality in me is like, hmm, why? I don't know. I, I'm arguing with myself. I probably don't even make sense right now, but I think everything, everything happened. You make sense. You make sense. I'm, I'm along the same lines as you. I feel like we have got half of a puzzle. Yes. And it's just like my heart breaks for her family because they have half of a puzzle. And I think that that's what's missing here is that we don't have the actual information. We have just little pieces, like bites, right, of, of a look into what happened. And I mean, like, look, 2011 was, in fact, 12 years ago. But it's possible that there's people out there who saw something. There. Who saw some part of this. Look, do you know somebody who's been on a Disney cruise? Did they go on a Disney cruise in 2011 in March? Ask around. Maybe they saw a thing. Maybe they didn't realize they saw a thing. Yeah. Maybe they saw a girl who looked kind of drunk really late at night wearing, you know, somebody else's clothes. And they can put her someplace on that ship. It's possible that different passengers saw her as she made her way around the ship. And so we might not ever be able to like figure out this story as it would be in security cameras. But there's people out there who don't work for the company who owned this cruise ship. And there's people out there who no. don't likely have anything to do with it who could have seen something. So I don't think it is ever too late to be able to offer up that information. And yeah, so like if you know somebody who was on a Disney cruise then ask them. Yeah. Because I mean, it feels solvable. It does. It really, really does. It feels so incredibly solvable. I'm surprised that someone hasn't come up yet. Like, of course, we have had some various people say their sides years later. But I'm surprised someone, I don't know, ship main security or someone who worked for the company that kept the records of the CCTV. I'm surprised that they haven't come out. The fact that no one has said I saw her fall is what's weird to me. Mm -hmm. That is what's odd to me. Because if she fell accidental, not accidental, what have you, a person saw it like on footage, right? I don't think it would be ethically problematic for them to say they saw her in person rather than on footage because they didn't want to share the footage. You feel me? Yeah. A person saying I saw her fall is better than this is what we've deduced. So I don't know. As always, we're curious to know what you think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And okay, ask around. If somebody has been on this cruise, send them to us. We'll talk to them. Yeah. We'll pass along information. Even if a person wanted to stay anonymous, I feel like that would be reasonable. Yeah. I know her family did have a bunch of like websites and social media and things around that time. Mm -hmm. So they were asked about it, but maybe someone was too afraid to come out then and might feel a little open now. 
In 2011, it was largely millennials who were on social media. That's true. Who would have seen this. And now, like, my mom's on Facebook. Like, she calls me and is like, did you see this? And I'm like, yes, I did. Or no, I didn't. (laughs) Most people are on social media now. So, like, I feel like we're just we're posing the question again. Also, in October, we are celebrating our third podiversary, which is pretty exciting. And one of the things that we love to do is we love to share listener stories. If you have a listener story that is your own story or someone else's story and they've given you permission, we would love for you to share it with us. You can share either a written version or we'd love to hear your voice in particular. And you can be on True Creeps. If you decide to go that route and you're recording and you misspeak, feel free to just say, please take that out. And you can keep on chugging along because we also make mistakes when we're editing and we edit those out. So we'll edit for you too. But we would love to hear your scary, spooky stories of things that you've seen, encountered. Yeah, weird history, whatever. Conspiracy, something. Or fascinate you, honestly. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you got. Is it weird? Were you uncomfortable? Did someone look at you funny? I want to know. I want to know all everything about it. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay. Do you have a weird dream? Tell me about your weird dreams. Lindsay shares some weird dreams with me the last couple times before recording, so maybe those will make it. <laughs> I know. Look, may- they might make it into an episode. Who knows? Okay. Woof. We've gone through a lot. We have. We have. Well, have a great weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. And as always, a special thank you to our patrons who support us via Patreon. Please see the link in our show notes to learn more about how you, yes, you, can begin to haunt the dump guard vortexes, or even become a scorching Sasquatch. Also in our show notes, you can find the link to our website, more information on our sources, our social media handles, and our merch store. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps and or ghosts. I beg of you. The Roomba's knocking at the door. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I've always thought about working at a zoo. I can honestly say I've never wanted to work at a zoo. Not necessarily a zoo, but like a sanctuary. I can. I barely want to scoop kitty litter. <laughs> we have a couple fun sanctuaries like near here where it would be fun to like care for some of the animals that either got hurt or they're trying to rehabilitate or can't be released. I don't so much like zoos as much, but you know what I mean. I love that the I that for you. A fun time sounds like (laughs) taking care of wounded animals. I I just want to be able to pet weird animals, okay? I mean, like, look, I don't hate the idea of, like, hanging out with a wounded animal. There's people who have better skills than I do. (laughs) I feel like between us and our zoos at home, we have a very good set of skills now. Look, I know so much about cat behavior and, like, the GI tract of a fucking cat. And I mean this fully. If you have cat pee on something and you can't get that smell out, reach out to me. I can tell you how to get it out. It doesn't matter what it is. It really doesn't. <laughs> See? A set of skills. <laughs> See? Yeah. That, that's not a set of skills I <laughs> want to have. But, you know, when you have a special needs cat for a period of time, you that's what you develop if you want to not have a house that smells like cat pee. And I very thoroughly do not want to have a house that smells like cat pee. What a ride. Already, if we're, we're a minute in and we're, we're already on the tangent time. That's fair. What a ride. I find all of Disney characters and working there fascinating. I've heard good and bad, obviously, like any job. Um, but especially 
the people that are character roles. I don't know if you follow any of them that like after they quit or retire or whatever you want to call it, they share more behind the scenes stuff that they're not allowed to while they're employed. And every time that comes up on any of my feeds, I have to stop and watch it. I mean, fair, very fair. What's it like to be Snow White? I need to know. I don't meet the height requirements to be anything. I could be like Winnie the Pooh, I guess. There's height requirements to be a princess. I can never be a princess. I'm too short. For now, there are. I mean, what a what a thing. It didn't occur to me. But I guess, like, they're going to use common costumes, I guess. I don't know. It's dumb. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the requirements. And it just makes me so sad. I don't think I want them. I don't I don't I don't want to know that I'm not fit to be a Disney <laughs> character if I don't want to be. I want to live in this realm. Oh. <laughs> okay. I actually am fit to be a Disney character because my brother got a pool and my niece says, "Wincy, I need you." When she needs me to like hold her in said pool. It's the sweetest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And I was like spinning so the water was like hitting her and i was going ah right and then so she was at three she's doing it with me and she goes i'll be area i'll be Ariel, you be and then sometimes she'll go ursula and sometimes she'll say the witch (laughs) and if i sing the ah part she goes no you're the witch (laughs) really upset i love her so much and it's the funniest thing it's the funniest thing i mean i also like fully support all like mermaid dreams i got her a mermaid bathing suit i was like let's go but (laughs) no you're the witch it's like okay so i mean i'm just saying that someone thinks that i'm fit to be a disney character (laughs) and i'll take it perfect love it Okay, this is obviously going to be at the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, for sure, Zs. We we have tangented hard already, and we're always what not even a quarter through. Yeah, I want to leave the part about like the person on TikTok to be like, oh, this is what it's like about the culture. A man has been trying to convince us to go on a cruise, and this is not this is not getting me there. I was worried about that. I was worried about that. Well, you should be worried about that. I'm already like like mm, i don't know about that and now i'm really i don't know about that because knowing that someone can just murder me and someone's going to be like mm, we'll send a guy out that's why we travel in packs that doesn't make me feel better just like when we were in mexico and you're like i'm nervous i'm gonna get murdered and i'm like we'll travel in packs they can't kill all of us no we're just gonna solve our own i'll solve your murder you'll solve mine that's my mentality deal deal and then i'll batman it up and get revenge because Mike and Mike and Ben have not learned. Yes, perfect. Mike and Ben haven't listened to, to enough of our podcast to understand how to solve it. So we just they can't be trusted. No, no. <laughs> Either way, they can't be trusted. Ben's a good internet detective. <laughs> I'll give him that. Okay, we'll give him that. That's all he gets, though. <laughs> all right. So, well, I don't know if that's going at the end or where it's going, but my mouth made a fart sound when I did that. 